0: Hallelujah. Now, uh, how many want the perfect will of God to be done this morning? Boy, I'm one of them. Before we go to the word of the Lord, let's pray that that is what takes place the perfect will of the Lord. Lord God, we love you. We are mindful of you and your presence. Yes, 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 yes. Jesus, your mighty will. God, be are glorious. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Amen. I'd like for you to turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 25. 1 Samuel, chapter 25. It is good to be amongst friends. And there are many brethren that I know here I'm acquainted with, spent some time with, but uh, I'm usually loath to start uh, recognizing and naming because as as there's cows in Texas, I'll miss the man standing right next to him. That's an old friend, and I don't want to do that. Suffice it to say, I'm very, very... Happy to be here. I'm very excited about the meeting of new friends. And when we leave here, uh, heaven's going to be a better place because of the people we know that are going there. Praise God. So, having said that, I want to uh, begin reading in the second verse of 1 Samuel chapter 25. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great. And he had 3,000 sheep and a 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. So David sent some of his men to go and protect the sheep and the sheep shearers. And they did so. And Then there was not one sheep lost. And so then David sent his men to the big party that Nabal was having to ask of a reward from his hand. The services rendered of protection of the shepherds and flock. Verse number 10 And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? That he, there be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's men left rather ashamed and chagrined and made their way back to David, told him those sayings. And uh, David told them to grab their swords because he was now open for a new business. Verse 14, but one of the young men of Nabal's servants told Abigail Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall unto us both night and day, all the while with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial, that a man cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste, took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine, five sheep ready dressed, five measures of parched corn, etc., etc. And uh, verse 20, she rode on the ass, and she came down by the covert of the hill, and behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met him. Then, verse number 24, Abigail fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. Verse 26, Now therefore, my Lord, Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood, and avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies and them that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now this blessing, which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it be given even unto the young men that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil, evil hath not been with thee, found in thee all thy days. Yet a man has risen to pursue thee. It's so a long reading, so you might want to shift to the other foot. Praise God! Yet a man has risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God, and the souls of thine enemies. Them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee and hath appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart. Verse 32, David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou. Verse 35, So David received of her hand that which she had brought him, and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See, I have hearkened to thy voice, and have accepted thy person. Thank you for your clemency and patience and the lengthy reading of the word of the Lord. And let's ask God one more time to touch our every heart today. God, we love you. We are asking in Jesus' name that your anointing would rest on this people. Give us a hearing. to the work, Lord, of your Holy Ghost, I pray. Amen. God bless you so very, very much. You may be seated. Amen. 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 Now, perhaps this uh, length of reading would not have been necessary to a vast majority of us. As uh, if you're familiar with your Bibles in the life of David, you have read and hopefully reread this passage many many times. Surely, if you've been in the church uh, a length of time, you have heard this portion preached on, alluded to, reference made of it. I read it so that, uh, and even that spot here and there, to make sure that that nobody was left out uh, on the happening. In fact, I'm going to go back just a little bit to make sure, make sure nobody's left out. But uh, basically, we're dealing here with a man of God that had received the holy anointing oil of the Lord upon his head at a very young age. He was a man that was used to problems, even with the uh, seemingly simple job of taking care of his father's sheep in the wilderness uh, which would sound simple enough we find that trouble just seemed to come and find David if he didn't go looking for it it came looking for him and uh, a lion came one day to take a kid of the flock and David could have readily excused himself uh, no doubt rationalizing in his mind that if my dad has to choose between one missing lamb And a missing son, surely he will be glad to know that his son wasn't such a fool to take on a lion. But there was a part of David that rationalization did not work on because he knew a man assures the world if he lets that little lamb out of his sight into the jaws of that lion, that lion will make his way back to Lionville and say, if you want free, easy, cheap food, go to David's flock, and he don't seem to care what happens. So he took on the lion, and uh, it wasn't very long that a bear came up with the same frame of mind, yet David had the same frame of mind, and so he slew both a lion and a bear. This from a boy that most scholars believe was under the age of 15 years old. And then he was called into the court of Saul, where he played his harp cunningly and, more importantly, anointedly, And it had the ability and the power to drive away the evil spirits that Saul had invited into his world by his rebellion. And so when David would play, Saul would find relief, which is one reason I'm going to tell you the power of Pentecostal music is very, very powerful. Amen. It's very, very powerful. I believe we have a lot of visitors come to our church to find relief from things that trouble on their spirit. Amen. Just because, amen, of the godly music that is played and things are driven away that we know not of. Be that as it may, David went about his business. And then one day it thought that all of his troubles were over because a mighty man of God by the name of Samuel came to his house. And anointed him. And he thought, surely with what I feel, with what I possess, with what I've heard from the Lord, today all my troubles are over. But with the anointing, sometimes your troubles are just getting started. Praise the Lord. But thank God for the anointing. If you have to choose troubles without the anointing or troubles with the anointing, take the troubles, amen, or troubles, uh, no troubles without the anointing, Brother, take the anointing and the troubles. It's worth it, it's worth it, it's worth it. Praise God. And so he won back victories for the Lord. He slew Goliath. He went out as the captain of the host and he wrought many great and mighty victories. You would rather think that the king would rejoice that he found someone in his kingdom that uh, uh, would do so, but but he rather grew jealous of David, and uh, he began to hunt him, he, he desired him, he, he attempted to slay the man in the bed of his own daughter, amen, David was his son-in-law, and his rage and his wickedness grew to the point that, that family ties meant nothing, broken hearts were not of any account, amen, as long as he could stem the flow of the progress of David, amen. And so now David had to flee for his life. He had opportunity to kill Saul. One time he was in a cave, hiding against the wall of the cave, and and here came the king. Amen. Uh, Scripturally, the Bible said he uncovered his skirt and uh, which was a very polite way of saying the man was going to the restroom. And, and the servants of David that were with him, they said, man, this is the day that the Lord spake to thee. Of. Remember that prophecy we had around the campfire a few weeks ago? And he said, I'm going to deliver your enemies into your hand that you may do what seems good in your sight. And uh, uh, this guy, this guy is plum ripe, ready for picking. Let's finish him off and we'll go out and take over the kingdom. And David said, uh, you know what? This man is the Lord's anointed. And I'm not going to touch him. God will deal with him in his time and place. But I am not going to touch him. This man is wicked. This man is headstrong. Amen. This man is stubborn. He's cruel. He's merciless. He's treacherous. He's cold and he's cunning. But he is The Lord's anointed, and I'm not laying my hand upon him. And so this did not happen once nor twice. David had ample opportunity to avenge himself had he a mind to. Now he is fleeing out of his own mouth. He said, I feel like a flea on the back of one mean dog. And uh, he makes his way through the woods and the forest. And so as he's fleeing from Saul and fleeing from his troubles, he comes upon some sheep shearers. He knows this business. He's done it before, and he knows that sheep shearing time is a time of vulnerability because uh, uh, shepherds are not generally known as being fighters, the fighters they put in the uh, army, but the shepherds they let take care of the sheep. And besides that, they have their minds really set on uh, getting the job done at hand, shearing those sheep, and so it was a good time for marauding bands to come and take advantage of the moment. And so David, knowing this, having been a shepherd, he set his men round about, Nabal's men. And, And when they first saw them, there's no telling what they thought, but they knew, amen, after a few days, these men are not here for ill, but they are here for good. And while they were surrounded by David's men, they did not lose one sheep, one lamb not a bit of food. They were like the angels of God round about them out of their own mouth, they stated it. And uh, so they rejoiced and, and they went back. And Nabal no doubt was wondering what his attrition weight was for this foray. And when he found out that we didn't lose one, then Nabal was exceedingly glad. And uh, and it was always a time for feasting and revelry. So now he really went to the max. And they were having one mean party and one tremendous celebration and all was well and all was great and uh, uh, Nabal was drinking himself merry, successful man that he was. Now the scripture in the beginning of our reading said he was a great man but then it did qualify that by naming his possessions. He was great in the sense of wealthy. He was great in the sense of what he owned. But very obviously, we understand he was not great in his soul. And he was not great in his spirit. And again, if you have to choose between the two, go for greatness of soul, brother. Go for greatness of soul. Amen. And so, when David's men came at the bidding of David to uh, ask for a blessing of his hand, for services benevolently rendered, uh here this man, Nabal, he, he says, uh, David. David David, you say. Hmm. Said, You know there be many servants which break away from their masters these days, and uh who is this David that I should take of all of the blessings? and all of my sheep, and all of my goods, and all of this, and all of that, and give to somebody and to men that I know not from whence they even be. And he probably threw in a few other choice words. And uh, when uh, these men had heard this, and everyone was standing around, and it was getting quieter and quieter, except for the rantings of their boss, uh, and the redness in the cheeks began to come up. And David's servants, and uh, you could all but see the steam coming out of their ears, they just curtly nodded and said, good day, sir. And they went their way to David, and they began to tell him about the ingrate on the other side of the hill, amen, and the way he runs his operations. And uh, David was not in a good mood. You know, uh, it's one thing to, to pick a fight with somebody, amen, that's uh, uh, got it at ease and and all is well, and, and he's so contented he can just brush it off, amen, like a bad bug. But it's another thing to mess with somebody that's chafed in their mind like a ragged bear. It's one thing to mess with a with a with a easy going, amen. Uh, 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 relaxed individual that, that the sun has come up and the birds are singing and all is well. And it's another thing to get with somebody that's got up on the wrong side of the bed because they've had a bad week and a bad month and a bad year. And uh, he thought, you know, I've, I've met this spirit before. The Bible said that the servants, the, the Bible says that Nabal was churlish. Now, that's the only place in the word of the Lord that you find that word churlish. But it does mean stubborn, cruel, merciless, treacherous, cold, and cunning. Amen. And it's one thing to put up with an anointed king that you don't touch because he's the Lord's anointed. But it's another thing to have to put up with some jerk out of some backwater somewhere that is not the Lord's anointed, amen, that doesn't know his head from a hole in the ground, that dared to mess with David. And so David thought, well, brother, payback is a medevac. And uh, it's one thing to be nice, amen, to the anointing, but it's another thing to be nice to a jerk. And so he said, gird your swords on your loins. We're going for a journey. And, brother, there was a set in his jaw. And no doubt, some of the old boys running with David, and then such as Joab and his brothers, thought, well, it's about time. Amen. We've been needing a good bloodletting. This has been like a pressure cooker for some time, and it's about time. And so they have a set look on their face and they mean business. And the servants of Nabal, when they heard their master blow off one more time, amen, as apparently was his want, they they saw the look on the servants and they knew Who David was and they knew this is the man that brought down Goliath and this is the man that the Philistines sang their song Saul had slain his thousands but David hath slain his ten thousands amen and this is the man amen that uh, went out and won the Lord's battles wherever he went and now our master is fooling with David nonetheless and so as uh, Nabal goes back to his drink and the servants go back to David they make their way to the brains of the outfit. Hallelujah. Now this Abigail apparently was really something. And they knew, amen, whose skirts to hide behind when the old fool got to rolling, amen. And uh, they came to her and they said, Abigail, you better take heed what you do. And whatever you do, I highly recommend you do it quickly. And and she's no doubt thinking, Oh have mercy. What's he done now? And uh they said, they went, they rehearsed the matter. David's men, the protection, not one sheep, everything. And then they rehearsed. They said, You know what? No offense, lady, but your husband is such a child of the devil. He is such a son of Belial. Nobody can even talk to him. Now, I'm going to tell you, when you get like that, you are in bad shape, brother. Amen. And so she is thinking and her mind, amen, is going 90 to nothing. And she's thinking about her house, and she's not one that is slow to connect the dots. She knows who David is. And apparently, as you read, amen, uh, her answers to David and her, 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 her response to David's anger, she knew a lot about David. What Saul did, what happened with David, what David's exploits were, were not done in a corner. When Nabal said, who is David? And there's a lot of people breaking away from their masters. He was feigning ignorance, but not much. And... Uh, so so this girl, Abigail, she knew, she knew, she knew, she knew all about David and his trials and his traumas. Amen. And she knew that the good hand of the Lord was upon him. And uh, and so she didn't miss a beat. She said, you go get the cakes of figs and the cakes of raisins, get the cheese, get the wine, amen, and and get all of the goods, get five sheep, get them ready dressed right now. And she put them on the beast of burden and she began to make her way to David. So here you have Nabal back at the house, getting drunk, thinking what a tough boy he is. You have Abigail making her way through the wilderness, amen, with blessings laden upon the asses. You have David coming his way, amen, with a look on his face that uh, you wouldn't want to see. And uh, they meet. She lights off the ass. And this beautiful woman, falls on her face. And she begins to give one of the most beautiful discourses that you find anywhere in the word of the Lord. Now, before we go any further, I'd like to just bring this down to the uh, springboard that we want to go to from here. I'd like to liken Abigail to the church of the living God. And I'd like to preach to us this morning, church is where you go to get your head on straight. Church is where you go to get your head on straight. Amen. The Bible tells us, amen, that Abigail was beautiful. Amen. In the word of the Lord, and I don't have to go through all of the rehearsings of this, but the church is always spoken of, amen, in the feminine gender. Abigail, like the church, is referred to as being beautiful. Psalms 48, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, who is a type of the church. Amen. Revelation 21, we see the church, the new Jerusalem, prepared as a bride adorned, For her husband, amen. We also find that she is the bride, the lamb's wife. When you go to the book of Proverbs, and especially, but not only, in the ninth chapter, we find that wisdom, 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 hath builded her house. She hath prepared her sacrifices, amen. And all of these, amen, are speaking, I believe, of the church, amen. And uh, that's another study. Be that as it may, Thank God for a beautiful church that invested in it is the wisdom of the ages, that God, in his wisdom, chose us out of a wicked and perverse generation, amen, to set us up on high. We are not pretty, amen, but brother, we are pretty in the sight of God. We are not beautiful, we are not wise, we are not mighty, and there's not many noble among us, hallelujah. But when you repented of your sins and was baptized in Jesus' name, and God gave you the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you became the most beautiful people on the face of the earth. That does not mean that you're smart. It just means God was merciful. Jacob said, I am not worthy of the mercy or the truth which thou hast shown me. And we are not worthy of it. But thank God for it. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his glory. In putting us in the church of the living God. Hallelujah. And so she comes. Just like the church comes to us. Yes, we're part of it. But I'm going to tell you something. Thank God for the church. Thank God for a place that we can come and that repeatedly to get our head on straight. To get our head on straight. To get our head on straight. Amen. Now, you may think when you receive the anointing of the Holy Ghost that your troubles ended. Amen. Many troubles were over, troubles that were hopeless, troubles in which you were helpless, now thank God we have a hope and we have an ever-present help in time of trouble. I've I've been living for the Lord 25 years now and I'm going to tell you in the last 25 years I have not, I repeat, I have not had one bad day, not one. Not one. I've had some's a whole lot better than others, praise God. But I ain't had one bad day. Because I'm going to tell you a quote unquote bad day in the kingdom is a thousand times better than the best day out in the world. Hallelujah. It's an honor to be in the church. It's a blessing to be in the church. Brother, when God put you in the church, he loved you with an everlasting love. Amen. And so here is David who has the anointing, but he does have a problem. Amen. Saul hates him. Saul has turned the hearts of many good men against him. And uh, he's hunting after him. He finds, he fights for the Kenites, and the Kenites are ready to turn him in. Whatever he does, it's misunderstood. Now he's dealing with a man by the name of Nabal. And this woman comes to him, falls on her face, and says, Oh, David, I don't know if you know what the name Nabal means, but it literally means fool. Her, his mother must have been a prophet. Amen. But But as his name is, so is he. I'm sorry, but he's a fool. Amen. Well, I'm glad my wife knows me. but I'd hate for my wife to think I was a fool. And he stops, and he's listening. A few moments before, he was of such a frame of mind, nothing could turn him. Nothing could dissuade him. I doubt very seriously Nabal crawling on hands and knees with tears streaming down his pudgy little cheeks would cause a man David to have mercy on him. But somewhere God placed in his life a beauty, a man that would stop to dissuade him and stop to turn him. Thank God, hallelujah, she came to get his head on straight. She came to get his heart right. She came to get his spirit back in alignment. How many times have you come to the house of the Lord, brother, and God in his mercy, he set your thinking right. He set your heart right. He set your spirit right. Amen. Church is where you go to get your head on straight. Amen. She began to talk to him. First of all, she said, "He is a fool. David, don't blow the promises of God over a fool. He's not worth it. If you're not careful, things can loom in your eyes. You got a dime, brother? Penny, nickel? You got a dime? Is that right, pray out there?" You see me, brother? Put your hand over one of your eyes. You see me? see this? We're all here. See this dime? This is a problem. And if you're not careful, a problem so small, tiny, minuscule, as compared to the big picture, can begin to loom so big and get so close And so in your face, that brother, it's all you can see and it's all you can think about. You see me? See the platform? See these good men? See anything? All you can see is this little old bit of nothing. That's right in your face. That's the way Nabal was with David. Compared to the big picture of his life and the promises of God that were on him, this guy was the flea, brother. This guy wasn't enough, amen, to shake a stick at. But it was in his face, and it was in his spirit, and it was on his mind, amen. And it closed in on him, and he was running with men that was of the same frame of mind. They had been shoved far enough, and now they were open for business. And this woman came. She knew, I have got to somehow... Get him to think again. I've got to cause him to see the big picture. David, you're not dealing with anything but a fool. He's not worth it. It's not worth it. Don't lose your victory. Don't lose your cool. Don't lose your anointing. Don't lose the promises of God. Don't lose the plan of God over something like that. He ain't worth it. He ain't worth it. He ain't worth it. Amen. And a lot of times we've got to come to the house of the Lord or the house of the Lord's got to come to us and say, hey, brother, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. Church is where you go to get your head on straight. He is a fool. Furthermore, God's with you. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, And as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee. God's on your side. God's in your life. You're too good for that. You're too big for that. That's too small. You've got God with you. Who cares if Nabal is? If you've got the blessings of God and the smile of God and the promises of God, who cares what the neighbors of this world think? Hallelujah. How many times do we have to get our eyes redirected on what this thing's all about and how good God really is? And brother, he's got a destiny for us. He's got a plan for us. And by the grace of God, I'm not going to let anything, amen, cause us to trip up or stumble. But we need one another and we need a church you can go to to get your head off straight. God with, hath withholden thee. Verse 27, and now this blessing which thy handmaid hath brought unto my Lord. Let it be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. Now she didn't just come with her beauty. And she didn't just come with good sense. And she didn't just come with a report on what a fool Nabal was. There were the beasts of burden laden with blessings. I mean, David had been in the wilderness a while. He'd been hungry. And they had not been faring sumptuously. And so his eyes would go from her to the cheese. And from her to the raisin, And the smell of those cooked sheep She met him with a blessing. She met him with a blessing. There ain't nothing like being met with a blessing to make you stop and think a little while. Praise the Lord. That's why God is so good and so great and so kind and so faithful to meet us with blessings time and again, time and again, time and again, time and again. Hey brother, what's the blessings of God worth? What is it? What is it worth to come into the house of the Lord and to feel His glory and to feel His touch? I'm going to tell you, kings and priests and prophets and mighty men, they searched hard and diligently and never saw what we see and never know what we know now praise God but here we are in the midst of the blessings of almighty God brother church is where you go to get your head on straight thank God he talks to us thank God he blesses us I highly recommend to people in that quite often amen when the dimes of life are so in their face that's all they can see have a great family, beautiful family, a mighty family. And some in-law or outlaw in their face, that's all they can see. Amen. Be in a church, a good church, great church. And some person, I remember years ago, I was holding a real lengthy revival brother, I.H. Terry. Yeah, that's what I said. (laughs) And... uh, So we are sitting there one Sunday night. Here came about 400, 450 people. I seen this couple walking down the uh, aisle there. I sensed Brother Terry tense up. His hand got on my hand. He said, Brother Booker, do you see those people that just came in? I said, yes, sir. He said, do you see all those other people? I said, yes, sir. He said, I can't see one of them. All I can see is them people just walked in the door. We've all had that. We've all been there. He said, you got to help me. He said, those people walk in and it's, it's like, it's like, the matador with a red cape is all the bull can see. So I gave him my very, very best advice possible. A few years later, I found myself sitting in the platform <laughs> and the door opened up. And it can happen to you too. You can be loving God, worshiping God, feeling good, feeling great, and look to your left or your right, and there they are. And get your eyes off the blessings and get your eyes off the promises and get your eyes off the good things of God. Hey, I'm here to tell you church is where you go to get your head on straight. God's hand is on us. The blessings of the Lord are on us. The neighbors of this world, it's not worth it. In her wisdom, she softened him up. She softened him up with a blessing. Amen. Because she had wisdom. God put it in her heart. And God's a good God. A lot of times, He just softens us up. He knows how trivial it is. He knows how stupid it is. He knows how ignorant it is. Why get upset over it? So, He just softens us up with the blessings of God. Somewhere you got to keep your eyes. Amen. Off the dimes of life that are crowding your space. And keep your eyes on the big picture. God is good and God is great and God is mighty. She said in verse 28, Forgive the trespass of thy handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. A sure house. Because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord. She spoke of future blessings. Future promises. that this world doesn't have. Amen. Are bereft of. And they're feeding on wind. And their idea of a successful life is to work five to six days a week. 52 weeks a year. Get a two week vacation. Get old, retire and die. can do that without any major calamities they've really been successful i'm going tell you it's an empty existence if that's all there is the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth but brother if you can see the big long picture I don't know what all we're going to be doing through the ceaseless ages but brother it is not going to be sitting on a cloud somewhere strumming a harp god's going to have us amen working with him ruling and reigning the universe whatever it stated it is in all i know is i want to be there i want to be in on that i don't intend the neighbors to stop us from being a sure house forever and ever and ever and ever Churches where you go to get your head on straight. She began to talk to him. Look, David, come on, David, think with me, David. Evil hath not been with thee all your days. You've not been a fool before. You've not went off half cocked before. You've not done stupidly before. Don't start now. It's not worth it. What's she trying to do? Come on David. Keep your head on straight. Come on David. Get your heart right. Come on David. Think with me a little while. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. God's too good. You've walked with him too far. Thank God for a place we can come. You understand that people are paying 75 to 175 to 275 dollars an hour. I know some an hour to sit on a couch and tell a man their problems. My heart aches for them. But brother, what can we get in the house of God? It flows from every pore. It's from the opening bars of music. It's in the leading of the service. It's in the testimonies. It's in the preaching of the word of the Lord. It's in the altar. Brother, it's therapeutic. And it's everywhere. (laughs) Hallelujah. And you can come into this thing without money and without price. And now the world's going crazy and pulling their hair out and don't know which way's up in this great perplexity of nations. There is still a God that loves his people and says, hey, come on, keep your head on straight. Keep your heart right. <clears throat> and then she said, and the souls of thine enemies, God will sling them out. As out of the middle of a sling. When you see God deal with Nabal, it's going to be. And Nabal's going to wonder what happened to him. If you deal with him, that's going to be your thing. Do you know, I'm going to tell you a lot of times, just about the time. God's fixing to take care of something. We shove him out of the way and say, I'll handle it. You got a good spirit? <laughs> praise God. I'll handle it. They don't, don't mess with Cajuns, praise the Lord. <laughs> I mean, God's got the answer. He's got, it's going to be so perfect. It's going to be, it's going to, you're going to be hard pressed that you have to stop and say, God, please don't do no more. But about the time he's ready to do it, how many times we step in? I'll fix this. And the minute you touch it, God backs off. You want to handle it? It's your business. You go ahead, enjoy yourself. If you'd let me handle it, I'd have put them in the middle of my sling. And, brother, when I was done with them, they wouldn't have known what hit them. But I'll tell you what, we handle like when I was a boy, my brother was good with a sling. He was good. If that yonder pole was a tree, he could hit it. He could hit it. And so I stood out there on a bridge one day. I got my brother's sling. And I got a nice smooth rock. I put it in there. I was not adept. I'd watched my brother. <laughs> and I let go. Wrong. And the stone hit me right in the head. Boom. And I fell to my knees. All I seen was big bright stars. I was in the fourth grade, brother. I wish I could tell you that was the last time I handled something myself. But boy, if you can come. And let the Word of the Lord and the Spirit of God and the people of God help you to get your head on straight. Brother, we've got a God that knows, that cares. He's in the business. Let God be God. You be His servant. Let God be God. You be His child. Let God be God. He'll fight your badass. Church is where you go to get your head on straight. And in verse 31, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart. When you lay down your head tonight, David, let it be said, I didn't touch him. I didn't take the law into my own hands. I didn't kill him. In the moment of anger, the relish of watching that impudent, obstinate, stubborn fool that in the heat of his anger represented all of the obstinate, stubborn, insolent fools that David had ever dealt with. In the moment of seeing his fear, in the moment of seeing his contrition, as soon as he'd avenged himself, it would have been over. And then he's got to live with the memories. And that felt mighty good moment. Now that I've cooled down. His face, I don't get pleasure out of it now. He was just a twerp, man. Let him go off and live in Twerpville. It wasn't worth my time. It wasn't worth the anger. David would have had to have said, "I lost something in that deal. I lost something I needed. It means something to." of no offensive heart. So he looked at her and said, Blessed be the Lord God which sent thee to meet me this day. And blessed be your advice and blessed be thou which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood and avenging myself with my own hand. I have hearkened to your voice. I have accepted your person. Amen. Musicians, could you come? Psalm 73. Someone. Appreciate it. I just need someone to read it for me. We're in a crazy world. Let's stand. If ever the world desperately, direly needed church, it needs it today. I know there's a lot of differences between California and Louisiana, but I'm going to tell you something. Sin is sin. Devastation is devastation. And it's not just happening in Los Angeles. It's in every hamlet and village now. We're winning people to God that have suffered broken homes. Single parents, molestation. A lot of them been raised by drug and alcohol users and abusers. Trouble of youth, they've been in jail, they've had unfaithful spouses, they have been unfaithful. They have faced financial catastrophe. They've been hurt, they've been rejected, they have deep feelings of inferiority, they are totally undisciplined. Emotionally unstable. No respect of authority. Many of them are confused about their sexual identity. Amen. They have no comprehension of morality. They don't accept the Bible as the word of God. They are addicted to escape. They are addicted to hiding from reality. From everything from drugs to Hollywood. They can't face reality. And these are the people. With their minds and hearts so scrambled. There ain't enough psychiatrists in America. And what they're going to get is just going to confuse them more. Psychiatry, psychology is very good at pointing out disorders and problems. But Jesus is the fixer. Jesus is the fixer. Jesus is the fixer. And they need somewhere to go. They can get their head on straight. They've got to take a whole new look at the world they're living in and where it's headed and where they were going. They've got to understand about themselves and the plan of God for their lives. They've got to learn how much God loves them, which is one of the hardest lessons to get across because they don't love themselves and they don't. It's not that people have lost faith in God. They've lost faith in themselves. And they need somewhere to go. They can get their head on straight. And how can they get their head on straight if we don't have our head on straight? So God help us. God help us. Psalm seventy-three, verse number two. But as for me, but as for me my, feet were almost gone. my feet were almost gone. My steps were well nigh slipped. My steps were well nigh slipped. Read. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I was envious of the Nabals of this world. My feet had almost slipped. I was gone, brother. Verse number twelve. Behold, behold. These are the ungodly. They're the ungodly. They prosper in the world. They, in the world. they increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain I feel like I've cleansed my heart in vain. i washed my hands in innocency. Verse 16. When I thought to know this, this, it it was too painful for me. Until. 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 I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I therein. Thank God. I went into the sanctuary, and that's where I got my head on straight. That's where I started seeing clearly again. That's when I got some understanding. Church is where you go to get your head on straight. Hallelujah. I heard a story, and I'm closing, about two old men placed in a convalescent home. One had been in a room long season by himself, and then, and he was bed fast, he was bedridden. He moved when people moved him. Someone placed another man in his room, and through the process of the weeks and the months, they became fast friends. There was one window in the room, and it was up about shoulder height. One day, the man was looking out the window in the bed, fast man. said, friend, tell me what you see. What's, uh, What's out there? There was silence for a long time. Finally, the old man said, well... He said, "Um, I see, I see a park, trees, green grass, lake, off in the distance, shrubbery. I see curved, flowing sidewalks. I see boys throwing a frisbee back and forth with a dog in between going crazy. I see a mother pushing a baby carriage and uh, I see a sailor walking down the sidewalk and I, I see a nurse coming towards him he he's asked her something I don't know what and they've talked and she's on her way and he's looking and, and so the next day he was standing at the window and the bedfast man said friend what do you see and he said well, the boys are playing football today. And uh, see the gardener out working the flowers. I see the sailor sitting on a bench looking at his watch, looking down. The, and looky there, there comes the nurse. And so they went through this day by day. One day, the bedfast man awoke, began to make small talk with his friend who had not risen yet and would never rise because it wasn't very long before he realized he had passed away in the night. And so, the memories of his friendship and the memories of the room. After a while, it became too much, and so he asked to please be moved to other quarters. So the orderlies came, and uh, when they were placing him in the wheelchair, he said, Boys, boys, look, could you please do me a favor? And uh, he he said, please take me to the window. Take me to the window. I want to look out that window. So, he said, if you want. They took him and lifted him up and held the frail gentleman up. And when he looked out the window, across the dirty, nasty alley, was a graffiti-covered wall. A trash bin. And trash blowing down the walkway. And he said, thank you, I've seen enough. And he realized what a friend the old man had. What are you going to talk to the world about that lifts them up? What do you see out of the windows of life? I'm going to tell you something, brother. We don't see what the world sees. We, what are you going to talk about? You going to talk about politics and cheer them up? Are you going to talk about budget battles and cheer them up? Are you going to talk about taxes? Are you going to talk about pollution and ozone? Are you going to talk about wars and Bosnia? Are you going to talk about education or diseases or famines? Are you going to talk about... Te- what subject matter is there out in the world that is there to cheer anybody up? And I'm going to tell you, if they can ever find somebody that's got their head on straight, we're looking out of the windows of life, but we're not seeing what they're seeing. I see a God looming on the horizon. He's fixing to come back and take a people home that have made themselves ready. I see a church that loves me and loves my soul. I've got a pastor that'll tell me what I need to be saved. It'll help me keep my head on straight. Come along. Come along. We will do thee good. The world needs a church that's got its head on straight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if we'll let God help us, the darker this world gets, the brighter we're gonna be. I read an article and somebody asked and I'm closed, and they said, How was it that somebody the likes of the Ayatollah Khomeini could shine, have such an effect on them on the world? And the answer came back from the considered the most intelligent person on earth. They said even a five-watt bulb glows bright at midnight. It's midnight out there, brother. We got more than a five-watt bulb. Help us, Jesus. Keep our head on street Let's lift our hands and love Him. My God, I love You. I love You, Jesus.